Hey everybody, welcome to season four of Highly Unlikely with Josh and Janae. And today we're gonna do a little bit of a deeper dive into some messages that we shared together in our church in March from mm-hmm. a series called The Family Handbook. Right. And um, excited to jump into some of those topics mm-hmm. here over this episode and the next one. Yes, it'll be great. Yeah, so we are going to talk today uh, specifically about fighting. We preached a message in March called mm-hmm. Fighting For Us. And we kind of got through like why conflict happens, but didn't quite get to how to resolve it. Just there was a lot to go over. And so we're going to totally unpack that. Plus give you a little refresh today. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this season, season four, we're talking about just relationships with things, with people and just dynamics and relationships around things. Right. So today we're going to talk about our relationship with conflict and what it should look like to be highly unlikely or just as a highly unlikely believer, what should that be? So excited to dig in. Yeah. And there are a few different reasons we wanted to talk about this because even in church, when we approached you, we talked about how many people project an outward image that their family and their life and their marriage is all good, but internally they're crumbling. Mm -hmm. And just that the divorce rate of people in the church plus people not in the church is pretty much a mirror Mm -hmm. um, in some studies. And so just saying, man, how as followers of Jesus, do we actually live different Right. You know, what's, what should our handbook be that we're following to, yeah. um, to actually follow Christ? So that would be, before you even dive further into this conversation, you could go back to, it was um, the family handbook you never received in March of 2023 was the series we did. But the fight, Fighting for Us message, we're really just going to very quickly review some bullet points from it, but then really dive into the part we felt like got cut short. So just so even pause and go listen to that now. But we got to start with our question. We cannot forget. Oh, man. Which celebrity would play you in a movie about your life? (laughs) Are we going for like who's your doppelganger or like who could portray you? you? Say whatever you want. Oh, gosh. I will can go. I might just go off of before what people... People have said I have looked like, um, which maybe this is more from college, but someone said Drew Barrymore once. Mm. I don't think it said I talk like her. There was someone I don't think else. You talk like her. I don't remember who. I don't know enough actresses. If I'm very honest, yeah, she's kind of like too like goofy, like kind of. I'm goofy. Uh, you're goofy, but like she's. She's I want to try and impersonate Drew Barrymore right now, but I would I know, probably I know. embarrass myself. Yeah. We should choose each other's. <clears throat> I'd choose yours. Who would mine be? Um, well, Adam Levine with dark hair. I, there was one time a kid wanted to take a picture with me in church because that kid thought I looked like the guy on The Voice. Yep. We had the same haircut at the time. Yep. The other person you told me, well, probably Ross Geller. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's his actual name? I don't know. I don't know. David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. <laughs> He's kind of got like... Um, the look. Yeah. In my not most glamorous moments, I can feel like I That's could be funny. portrayed by him. Yeah. I wish I knew more. Um, John Krasinski. That's what I'd want that, to Yes. Say. Oh, yes. I think totally. He's pretty rad. I think you kind of look like him. All right. Okay. That was fun. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on from the question. Okay. Fighting. You know, we never fight. So this is just, just kidding. No. Uh, We actually, (sighs) 
just recently, we're pre-recording this, but had our anniversary of nine years and mm-hmm. we were reflecting on it because we always do a reflection and we said, this is the hardest year of marriage. It wasn't awful, yeah. but it was hard. Like, And I think the arguments or conflict just took a different, I don't know, it just was different. And yeah. it wasn't awful, but it just was like, oh, that was like more to persevere through. And if we just had more kids and we had been leading together now for seven years and all that stuff. So we know that conflict, especially in marriage, it takes their seasons um, and it ebbs and flows, but you have to persevere. And um, there's always better days ahead is if we work hard towards it. But So fighting looks normal in different ways for different families, I think. Like mm-hmm. for some people, they might say, man, when I fight, I stomp out the door. You know, when I fight, I yell and scream or my family does. When I fight, I just stuff it down and ignore it. And mm-hmm. a few hours later, I feel a little bit better and pretend nothing happened. Like there's a lot of different ways to fight. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk actually about like our relationship with fighting and yeah, with conflict. Re- our relationship with conflict. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. And everyone, there's so many different ways. Um to deal with it that are not appropriate, but can be channeled to the right thing and the right way. And uh, it doesn't mean everything's always going to be a-okay, but you can live peaceably. Mm -hmm. And even if, I I mean, we see that in scripture, living peaceably, but needing to part ways. Um, Not like I'm marriage talking that way, but like friendships or just distancing from different dynamics and relationships, but this impacts everyone. And I don't know what you think, but I like, I think early on in our marriage, we were talking about this a little bit today. It's like when we had a fight, everything had to be brought to the surface. Everything had to be fought about. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like whenever there was something, it was always, yeah. Where I think you, you learn in a healthy way how to live with some tension in that, like Mm -hmm. you're different people and never, I don't know if everything's going to perfectly click all the time. I think you, yeah, you learn to accept the other person um, for even just things in the beginning you maybe were trying to change them. I think also I'm just too tired to fight sometimes. (laughs) Honestly, like I can't even remember what I was mad about. I don't know. It's fine. Maybe that's part of maturing too is things that are a big deal. Just end up not you being as big of a deal later on. Not that big of a deal. That's so true. So we know, and we talked about this in the message that the enemy works really hard to keep us upset, like to steal our peace. We get upset and have conflict with the traffic around us or people at work or, you know, all these different things. But There's Jesus. So many opportunities for him to steal our joy. Yeah. And to just not be at peace and to mm-hmm. be upset. And I don't know if you've ever been there where you're just like, man, I just feel ticked at everybody and every thing that happens and I think yeah, like a low grade annoyance like mm, yeah yeah like <laughs> I feel that sometimes if the vocabulary in your mind starts to change right. you know yeah just uh, your thought life. yeah and just being aware like oh there's mm-hmm. something going on in me or around me or attention mm-hmm. that I'm living in yeah and um so we we looked at Genesis and just talked about how God laid out like clear communication between Adam and Eve in the beginning Right. And one of the big, you know, moments in scripture that we look at is uh, when Eve takes a bite of the fruit, trying to obtain for herself the knowledge of good and evil that Mm -hmm. God said was not for them. Yeah. And, and that's, that's like the fall of humanity all the time. We try to take something into our own hands that God never intended us to -hmm. take into our own hands. And uh, Mm -hmm. Adam also blew it because in that moment, 
he knew the promise from God and mm-hmm. the covenant and what he was supposed to do and not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he either failed to communicate it to Eve yeah. in that moment or failed to uphold the standard or yep. failed to just lead and say, hey, like, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. And it produces the greatest conflict in he, you know, human history, which is fallen humanity and a holy right. God. That we all get the, you know, pay for still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go quickly through because yeah, I think we could rehash this. But we talked about um, just the hurdles to communication, our inputs, um, distraction, your family of origin, listening as a part of communication as an input, like understanding that um, that listening is as much of your communication and conflict as speaking. Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me to learn. Still am learning that. And even your motive can be a hurdle. So is your motive the correct motive for bridging bridging this conversation? I know I said family of origin really quick, but that one is probably the biggest hurdle because, I'm sorry, I am itching my knee because I think I have a mosquito bite (laughs) that I just discovered. Isn't that the most annoying thing ever? Okay. Um, But family of origin, like how you were raised, it just, it impacts how you do conflict, how you learned it's just how you learned or the coping mechanisms if you learn to leave maybe that's what you saw or maybe you had to leave for your safety or like you would have been um just kind of verbally attacked if you didn't you know remove yourself there's so many different things but it's formed in your mind it's formed in your kind of muscle memory everything and as you become an adult to recognize that and then change course is a big deal. Yeah, you watched your family function, whether the way they functioned was functional or dysfunctional. Right, right. right. There was a way that things functioned. You know, yeah. That might seem right to you, but then, you know, you take a look at the Bible, you take a look at other people's lives, and you mm-hmm. say, oh, maybe that was not functional. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Lost my tra- um, train of thought. But you... Um, you need a fight plan, and we talked through that in the message in a bit more detail, but you need to decide what are your fight rules. Like, what are the lines you will not cross? And so then when you know your boundaries, when you know your lane, you can have conflict in safety. Because um, maybe for some people, when you think of conflict, you think, um, I have to defend myself because this is an unsafe place for me to be because I'm either being mm-hmm. manipulated or I'm being attacked or whatever or blamed or whatever. Um, but it, if you have the other party willing to adhere to those rules as well, um, conflict can be done. Yes, even still intense, but safely. Yeah. Can I just give some examples? Yes. I know we're trying to move through this, but like there's rules within yourself. Uh, something I heard recently is if you don't say what's going on inside of you out of your mouth, it's going to come out in your actions. Right. And so just knowing like a rule of, I have to share where I'm at and what I'm going through, or I'm going to start to treat people differently in my actions. Right. Uh, There's rules within your marriage of like, Hey, when you're in conflict, what are the things that you do? And what are the things that you don't do? Janine, I Mm -hmm. said from the day we got married that in conflict, we will not sleep in different beds. Like Like you're, you're in the dog house. You're on the couch. That's just not, yeah. Be a part of it. Or like I'm, we're fighting, so I'm going to leave you and go sleep somewhere else. Like we just, mm-hmm. that was a rule in emerge. So it's been really hard some days when you're just absolutely ticked, you know, and, and you're, you're just <laughs> yep. saying, no, we're committed to this. Another rule mm-hmm. is like in your nuclear family, like 
a lot of people's families try to draw them into conflict with their spouse or they, mm-hmm. uh, they go to their mom or they go to their dad about their spouse, you know, and pull each other and pull their mm-hmm. nuclear family into conflict and just having a rule of like, no, that's not. It's a firm boundary. It's not mm-hmm. me and my family of origin against my nuclear family now. It's like this leave is. Leave to cleave. Leave to cleave, as that it says right. in Genesis. So. And, but that it's just your. And that can sound harsh, but it's like your priorities have shifted. What even you will stand before God that you're accountable to is no longer your family of origin. It is your nuclear family. Um, And we're speaking from our context of marriage too, but the Bible is full of everything we need for this and for handling conflict. And it's so funny because Proverbs 15 Uh, Verse one, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. It's just so funny. And I have, we've like mentored couples and things. And I will say it is the most backward thing in my mind because I talk like this. I am kind of intense. I was probably just made to be like a sports coach because that's just how I communicate. But like if I know we're going to bridge a hard conversation or I'm really frustrated and I can channel like my inner sweetness, it's not deception. It's like, hey, babe, like, I really need to talk to you about this. And I soften my voice. It goes completely different than if I just tackle it how in my mind I want to tackle it. Well, I think love your neighbor as you love yourself. And sometimes that means speaking to somebody the way that they want to be spoken to. You know, even if it's... Yeah. Because even the opposite is true. Rather than how you want to be spoken to. Because I can handle... But when you're having a very passionate sharing of something... Sometimes I think you want me to match that passion, you know, or to even communicate with you in that way. So it's not just like, oh, one person is quiet and Mm -hmm. in their approach. And so I got to get down on their level. Sometimes it's elevating too. Right. To meet the person where they're at. Right. So I think with that, I've, even with our kids, it's so funny where if I'm like, don't do that, you know, the reaction is very different than if I scoop them up and say, hey, like what we just did is not okay. Completely different reactions. I say mm-hmm. like the same thing, or even if I scoop them up, say, "Hey, you can't do that." It's a total. It's like, oh wow, it's like God's wisdom or something. It and I think the big works. takeaway is like when it comes to how you fight. I'm not going to do what I like to do or what was modeled by my family. I'm right. going to do in conflict what God has called me to do, mm-hmm. and the way that He's called me to love the other person, which that- always will be. You have to die to yourself, which always will be loving that person and serving them. And this is where it can get really muddy where if you are in an abusive relationship and we should probably do a podcast on that because mm-hmm. like we've, we have, we've, we have seen scenarios where someone has blatantly been like cheated on in like uh, the spouse has done an emotional affair and they've been completely neglected. Mm-hmm. They are not like the spouse is in the absolute wrong and they're like, no, I just, I can't oust them. Like that would be dishonoring or like the Lord will get my vengeance, not me. And it's like, there, there, there's so many different things we could go down. And so I think hear our heart in this and know that we would never condone someone who is actually not being upholding the standard God has set for you in marriage on either side and how you love, respect, serve everything, prioritize your spouse. We would never say like, yep, you just need to endure and submit and serve and love them, which some people do feel called to that. Like if it's not like abuse, abuse, it's just like 
they're not committed to growth or they're not committed to serving Jesus with me or things like that. But I just, I think in these conversations, it can always get taken the wrong way where you could think, I trust the Holy Spirit actually far more in the listener Mm -hmm. than my words. And so I trust the Holy Spirit will take these words and will apply it for truth for your situation and what you're supposed to do. And so, but just know we would never be advocating for someone to be enduring what would be actual like sin mm-hmm. under sin of their spouse, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. And so I think the the framework is that marriage is a picture of God's love for the church. Yes. That it is a covenant relationship where Christ died for us, right? And so at the core of what this relationship should be, the foundation should be the sacrificial kind of love that Jesus displayed, the humility of Jesus, mm-hmm. the the wanting to follow God's heart of Jesus, you know, like those are, we ha- we're talking out of that foundation. So if yeah. you come at it from any other foundation, it can be manipulated, it can be twisted. But when we use Jesus and the gospel as the example, mm-hmm. then these are the, you know, that's what we're building off of right now. Mm-hmm. So so yes, don't misconstrue it. Don't take it the wrong way. We're building on the foundation of And I can just imagine that it's the most infuriating, frustrating thing. And I know it's prevalent in the church, like global church, but even in our church where you'll come and you'll sit and you'll sit in the pew or you'll sit in church at week in and week out. And, and yet at home or yet in the marriage, there is zero translation of a heart. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we were just talking today about me and a staff member about uh, seating people for like um, different events and stuff. So like when we're packed house, we seat people and they're sharing of how actually rude and awful some people were to them in our church. Mm-hmm. And my mama bear wants to come out and, and one person has been in the church for like 30 years and scoffed at this woman for assigning him a seat. And I just think, how infuriating if you think in a spouse or relationship dynamic, I think that that's the thing that if you want to live highly and likely, don't sit in church and not let the word transform your heart mm-hmm. and just put it in your head to have as like either an argumentative thing. So there's a lot of people that can quote paragraphs of scripture that their heart is so tainted and skewed and wrong. And they're using it to twist or to attack or to condemn and or or just their personality and your personality, you're not at showing any of the attributes of Jesus. And so, I can, I'm just acknowledging for those that maybe are in that place, mm-hmm. you are in the church, and you're like, we can hear this all day long, but I'm not seeing any translation of change. And I shared this, I think, when we preached together, but or maybe it was I don't remember. It was a different marriage session. Maybe I did, but. Even when you're in a hard season, if you're you're feeling like you're carrying the weight for your oneness of you and your spouse or your family, um, if you're married in particular, and I know I went through a season where just Josh, we always take turns who's maybe having a high season and a low season, which yeah. the Lord's even sovereign in that. But I remember just, I kept saying, when I get better, we get better. And it was a Holly Furtick thought mm-hmm. from a marriage study of, you are one. And so even if your spouse, if you guys aren't jiving and you're not on all cylinders, like you just make sure that you're growing in the Lord, that you're being disciplined, that you're pursuing the goals God set before you or the dreams. Because when you're getting better and you're growing in the character of Christ, we as one are getting better, even if the spouse doesn't realize it. Because 
spiritually when to be, you know, like to become one, it's like God does that. And so I think that's a, that was an encouraging thing in a season for me where I was like, if I get better, we get better. Like right now it's, we don't feel like a team, but yeah, I'm just going to get better. And so I, we can get better. I heard one, just reflecting back on some of the stuff you said, I heard a pastor say one time how the church has changed over history or throughout history. And when the church was present in Greece, it was all very based on like philosophy. When it was in Rome, it was institutionalized. Like Constantine mm. said, we're all going to be Christian, you know, and really institutionalized the church. And then in Europe, church became culture. It was mm-hmm. like the call. And now in America, the church is an enterprise. And oh, there are wow. lots of people who love to call themselves Christian and who love to be a part of the enterprise of the church, but are not under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, yeah. living humble, submissive lives to the gospel and to Jesus. And that is coming out in their marriage. I'm a part of the enterprise of the church, but I'm not in submission to Jesus. Yeah. And loving people the way that Jesus has called me mm-hmm. to. And that's what we're talking about. Like it actually makes me cry because I think of the scripture that says, like, you know, they made it. I'm paraphrasing, but Mm -hmm. by like to heaven or we're saved, but by barely escaping the flames. And I just wonder if there are people, I don't know what we'll be thinking in heaven, but if you get to heaven and you realize, how did I miss out on the fullness, even in that temporary life and all the opportunity and all of the joy, even tastes of heaven on earth that I could have experienced, but I just let it, like, it just, it grieves my heart, you know? Um, but yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And we're seeing it more and more. And I might've said this on another podcast, but it was talking to someone about this and it's, I believe that the gift of discernment is going to be key in the last days because you are discerning now between what is right and what is maybe almost right. It is like that close. (laughs) Yeah. And even a discerning of spirits because of there's so many truths around that people claim to be truth. What's mm-hmm. truth? This says it's Christian, but this is Christian, it looks really different. And uh, even a friend and I were talking about this, and um, there was a scenario that happened that if I look to the Bible of what a Christian should do in this scenario, that the person did not do what a Christian should do. And and she uh, like looked at this person's social media, and it's like, Jesus follower, da-da-da, all this stuff. And she's like, I we are not following the same Jesus. Like, I don't know who what Jesus this person is following. So I think, too, it is. It's so interesting, but— I classify that as, are you a believing believer or an mm -hmm. unbelieving believer? Yeah, and it's perpetuated in sports culture. It's perpetuated in politics. People who Mm -hmm. are a part of the church enterprise or- Using air quotes. Yeah, or or claim to be followers of Jesus. And then you look at their life and it's like, oh yeah, but they also um, do this and this and this and this, none of which lines up with scripture. It's just like being a part of the club. It's just like a stamp you know? or a pin that you wear. I'm in the cl- Yeah, I'm in the club. Sorry, that was not in the notes. But yeah. but that's when it comes to conflict. You don't get to claim, oh, I'm a Christian. And then it's like, well, everyone at your workplace knows that you just, you rip people a new one when you when they're in trouble. Well, or like, you don't talk to them yeah. for seven days because you're just peeved. I You can tell we're passionate because we've just seen this hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Where, where it's like in church, it's like Holy Spirit come. And then at home, it's like, I'm going to give way to anything the devil wants to do, anything right. he wants me to speak. 
and I'm just going to totally let my flesh Whole just... in church, Lord, bless me, you know. Yeah, it's like, like, what ah, can I get? He can't bless what's not if it's not submitted to his will. Yeah, and so the whole context has to be, I am going to approach conflict. I am going to approach this other person in the way of Jesus. Submitted to him. so countercultural and so uh-huh. different than the examples that you see, and that's what we're trying to get at. Yeah, the highly unlikely way in conflict is... A painful way because it feels like dying to self. Mm -hmm. And I know anytime that there's been opportunity and there have been apology letters I've written or apology texts I've written that I think I don't want to write this. And I actually feel like I deserve what I'm writing, but that is not what Jesus is calling me to right now. And that is a, that is a dying to self. You're like dying to what you want. You have to swallow it. And you have to just be like, okay, Lord, you're sovereign even over this situation that I can't control or this person that I can't influence, but I can just do my part right. in it. And so it's it's so hard. And But what we want to get to— Well, I mean, these are all—all all the things we're talking about are steeped in humility. And what we're going to talk about is what to do after a fight. Yeah. And there's, no, there's not going to be any resolution without humility. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say, if you are like, we, my spouse and I, we literally never fight. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. I would say everything's not great. And you probably need to head to a counselor right now. If well, or you just don't talk about stuff. I, I listened to someone that I think that's a child therapist. And she talked about like, if you have your child that you brag about, that's so perfect. They never disobey. They are always this and that. She's like, that's the actually kid you should be concerned about because- like there is some people pleasing something going on where they're like actually not even aware of their needs or they're like some either victim or like poverty mentality, victim mentality thing. It was interesting. I was but. thinking that we watched a John Chris special and he was talking about parents who are like, my kid is perfect. And he's like, no, Grayson is awful. You're just <laughs> that not kid willing. is awful, yes. <laughs> You're not willing to see it. Oh my gosh. He does not have kids though. He doesn't get to. No, he no, doesn't I'm get to that. Uh, but Luke eleven seventeen in the New Living Translation says, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Jesus. He knew their thoughts. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And I think, like I said, I think a healthy relationship, friendships, family dynamics, there is disagreements. You're not just going to all be honky-dory all the time. There's never anything. But, um, but being splintered by feuding, your family will fall apart mm-hmm. um, or that will kind of crumble and distant and, and distance from one another. And so what do you do to not allow that to happen? So before we jump into that, yeah. why? I think why what? The question is why, like why, why do we splinter? Why do we fall apart? And James talks about that Yeah. in James 4. It says, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? They come from evil desires at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So, I mean, first takeaway, there's some stuff that we search for from people that we will never get from people. Mm -hmm. Like our full satisfaction only comes from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And so pretty much all fights come down to either an unmet want or need or an insecurity. Mm -hmm. That's what James is really alluding to. And so Mm -hmm. that's the why or like where the conflict comes from. So how do we, you know, we've, we talk in the message about how to navigate through that 
what some of the rules are for fighting. Mm -hmm. But what do we do like after that fight is resolved? And I think that's what we want to spend the last few minutes on is how do you recover? Like we talk about rupture and repair in our home. Yeah. And when there's been a rupture, how do you repair? And that's based off attachment theory and attachment styles, which we all have one. Um, and in a teaching of it, someone said, you can rupture as long as there's a repair to rupture. Um, but that doesn't also give ex- this like excess and just rupture, 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 like lose it, lose it, lose it. Just come groveling for, you know, forgiveness every time. But you just aren't going to submit that to the Lord and try be transformed right. by the Holy Spirit. So so yeah. last night, so you can mentor me in this because you're so good at this. But mm-hmm. last night, our daughter set a can of bubbly uh, water yes. on her bed. And she's notorious for spilling. And it she just is. drives me crazy. <laughs> like she just spills all the time. Yes. And she set it on her bed. Something got thrown on the bed, knocked it over. Now her bedding is all wet. This and is it's like bedtime. literally 10 minutes before bedtime. Yeah. And I just got mad. And I was mm-hmm. like, Lily, you spill all the time. Like what? You know, just yeah. letting my mouth go. Mm-hmm. And I had a migraine side. Your plugs in. I can't hear any of this. <laughs> and so she goes in the other room and Janae's talking to her. With my earplugs in. <laughs> and quite honestly, everything inside of me was like, I don't care. The girl spills all the time. She's irresponsible with her stuff. I'm just like. She's five. Yeah. And <laughs> she's five. And sorry. uh Continue on. And so I look and Janae's like talking to Lily in the toy room and like working with her. And then Janae kind of like gives me the wave of like, you need to come over here. So I came over and I laugh because I'm feeling emotion right now because of like what I experienced in that moment because I like looked at her and asked her if like what I said hurt her feelings, right? And Mm -hmm. she just started to cry Mm -hmm. because of like how I had, Talk to mean to her. Yeah. And so I, there was clearly a rupture. Mm -hmm. And so how do you bring about repair Mm -hmm. in those moments? And I think you do this often with our kids. So can you talk to Mm -hmm. people about, even with your children, how do you bring repair? Because I think a lot of stuff gets left ruptured. Yes. And I think too, our kids are young. I would assume it's harder when they're older. And I think between adults and we need to talk about two adults, it's harder when you're older, too, to come in repentance. Um, I don't know. Coming to a kid sometimes is easier, a little kid. But um, our, for us, we've always said when if repentance is not a part of our household regularly, like, that is when you need to be concerned. Like, if as family members, we're not, even for the littlest of things, going and saying, I was wrong. I am sorry. Do you forgive mm-hmm. me? Like, I need Jesus. Let's pray that Jesus would help me to not do that again. Um, I think, too, it's it, back to humility, just humbling yourself to—and I felt the same. I want to be like, why? Don't set a can on your bed, girl. Just kidding. But so then it's like that conscious choice to, like, be tender and loving, which is not my natural propensity. Like, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Natural bend? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah— so it is just just realizing it's not helping anyone to like the whole mindset of like, I'm the parent, you're the kid, just do it. I'm right. That's never going to help anyone. Yeah. Um, so to come and say, hey, tell me about it. What are you feeling? I'm so sorry that that happened. And But even as Lily and I talked, I just said, you know, do you think you could have made a better decision? It's like, yeah. And it's like, okay, what are you really feeling? 
Because a lot of times, too, even with adults, if they'd be honest, there's a lot of different feelings that anger or an outburst mm-hmm. is actually the dashboard of life showing you indicating to something. Um, it's an indicator of something deeper that you should probably look into and address. But um, and so for her, she's like, I actually was just really embarrassed. Like, so we revealed, oh, you were actually really embarrassed about your decision and like kind of felt shame and and for kids too, I'm like, it's so important to go and be the bridge maker with them and not like, and do our kids sometimes have to go in their room and chill out and then we'll talk about it? Yes. But shutting her in her room, making her feel shame is not going to help her mm-hmm. in the long run. Because even she was like, God shouldn't have made me all these things overspilled sparkling thing. And it's like, all right, these are formative lies that the enemy is trying to solidify in your mind. And so we have to repair rupture so the enemy doesn't get a foothold is what I think. And I love that I get to say, you know, hey, let's talk to your daddy about it. Like you need to talk to him. I'm not going to be the bridge. That's the other thing we can't do. We can't be the bridge. Our kids have to go and do that to the face of the person. And so she's like, I'm scared. I'm like, yeah, I can safely say you should not be scared of your dad. He's like the most tender, loving teddy bear ever, you know. So I think, I don't know if I'm saying that clearly, but it's just that humility, being willing to sit in those emotional moments too. And I am like very much a person that's like, suck it up, move on, stop crying. But I can't say that. Right. (laughs) I don't get to say that. Well, I think what we're saying is like after the fight, and we've talked about this a lot before is... And I used to not do this because I thought if you apologize, you're capitulating mm-hmm. that that it was your fault. Yep. Where being quick to apologize does not mean it was your fault. It just means you're willing to take ownership over your part. Yeah. Right. And so we've always talked about like, hey, be quick to repent and apologize. If you're going to have competition in your marriage, let it be. I want to be the first one to repent. I want to be the right. quickest to repent and be quick to extend forgiveness. Even with your kids, with adult kids, we see parents in competition are still just this pride that's like, no, I'm the parent. I'm not going to apologize. Mm-hmm. And once your kids are adults, they're peers. Like studies show the healthiest um, parent to adult relationships are when you start, you view your child as a peer because they're an adult, not this like, I'm the adult, you're still a kid, even though you're 35. Yeah. Like, so if the parents that can turn that corner, a counselor is telling us this, if the parents that can turn that corner have the best and healthiest relationships Mm -hmm. because they don't have to be better. They can learn from their kids and they don't feel like it's a shot at their pride or that they're less than, um, yeah, be quick to repent and apologize. You know, Luke 17, it says we must forgive 70 times seven. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a biblical reference for yet, but, um, which is not like an exact number of how many times it was Jesus pretty much blowing the disciples mind with how forgiving and gracious we should be. We should be. Yeah. And, and we even had someone reach out recently and just said, hey, how do you deal with, if you're in leadership, if you have anyone in any form of a job and you lead anyone, um, then you're a leader. Like you can be a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and you're leading many people and k- kids and students and stuff, but you have coworkers and things. And they said, how do you deal with like someone because you're the leader, they're hurt by you, even though what you did, you do not, you did not perceive as hurtful. And what they blamed you for, like what they did back to you is extremely hurtful, but because you're the leader, you don't get permission to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's the age old leadership question right yeah. there. Yeah. And I think too, we can take all these brilliant things about conflict and healing and counselors, 
but it is solidified and it is permeated in the quiet place with the Lord. Yeah. Like the Lord makes these things complete and whole to where you do come to understand, even if I don't get to voice my side and voice my hurt, I will be okay. Um, the best spaces are where you are acknowledged in your hurt, but um, you don't always get that. And sometimes when you're the leader, you definitely don't get that. And But it's kind of a part of counting the cost of leadership too. Right. Um, so reach, okay. So I'm, I feel like we're talking so much about marriage and I want to get better at like, I think just in general, conflict. like be quick to apologize. Even if somebody else was 90% wrong and you were 10% wrong, be the first one to apologize. Mm -hmm. Be the first one to ask for forgiveness. Maybe they will ask for forgiveness too. Maybe they won't, mm -hmm. but you're not trying to, you might win their approval, but you definitely win God's when you have that kind of a humble spirit. And then we were I'll, teaching our kids that it's like, hey, you need to go ask, you know, for forgiveness and apologies. Well, they're not sorry. And I said, man, I wish they would work that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't, doesn't. Yeah, and be okay if you don't get an apology in return. And I think if you really struggle being quick to apologize or ask for forgiveness, you still have yet to come into full revelation of what you were forgiven from. Right. Of what you, how much offense you have cast on the Savior when He was on that cross for you. Right. So. And then I think when when you look at your part in whatever you fought about with whoever you fought with, allow God to bring change behavior. So Jesus said, uh, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Mm -hmm. So like in any situation mm -hmm. where you've caused rupture, change, be transformed and prove that you're a follower of Jesus by, right. by showing that your sins have been forgiven by right. how you forgive people and how you actually don't just repent, but you also change. Well, that is such a, a witness to the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. When someone who used to lose their mind in conflict is like, oh, now this person, like they became a believer. Like, oh, wow, they go to that church and they like can now handle conflict in a respectful way and treat me like a dignified human and they don't degrade me anymore. And like all these things, it's like, that speaks a powerful word to the know, power of the Holy Spirit. I, I like was really raised and had an understanding of the power of the gospel and the power of God that the, like the most powerful thing God could do is heal somebody's physical body. Hmm. But you know what? <laughs> I've seen that happen a lot and it almost seems harder for an arrogant heart to be repentant. Yeah. To than heal a physical your heart healing. Heal yeah. Like it is an equal miracle because there's some <laughs> people where you're like, it's going to have to be an act of God. Right you know, for that to actually change so in me or in them, you know. And I think too, you might be hitting a wall of conflict with someone because like we said, a hurdle could be your motive is to change them. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we need to make sure the only way your motives will be right is if you're in the word and you're under the direction of the shepherd right. and hearing his voice and understanding how he'd want you to go about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, learning. Okay. So let's talk about, okay. We, we had a decent fight this week. Right. We did an eight, eight hour car drive, ride, right. trip with three kids. And I don't know why it's now thinking back. It was the dumbest fight. It was dumb. Was it not? It was a dumb fight. And I said one of the dumbest things I ever said in our whole marriage in the middle of he that He did. Fight. So, you know, you guys, <laughs> you I, I probably did. I don't even know what I said. I don't Janae want you insulted to say. me in that fight. And to this day, I still don't know what she meant. <laughs> well, I'll ask you about it later. <laughs> I was like, oh. 
I know that was supposed to hurt, but I don't even know what you meant. So. Maybe I wasn't. I think, and we pretty much don't really, we will disagree in front of the kids, but like this was just different. I don't know. They probably all had their headphones on. But the Lord is very faithful in this when we like have opportunities to teach on it. It usually is like, oh crap, we have a great illustration because we uh-huh. were tested in it. And, and <laughs> we still had three more hours in the we car. We did not talk from Fargo to Watertown. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, we got to move on. I But I just kept thinking, even in the silence, man, this is such an attack of the enemy. And, um, and sometimes you know it and mm-hmm. it's like your pride that refuses and it takes a while and, but to like there there we have to grow in our understanding of what impacts our arguments because for us it was like it was super stressful leaving we were doing the whole trip in one day and you're dealing with the kids and i think i wasn't i've been having a lot of headaches this week mm-hmm. and so i think i had a headache and it was like all these different things and and then it's like it was boiled down to really bad communication about literally if we were stopping at a park or not you guys that was what the argument was over. <laughs> it sounds so dumb, but it was so, and that's where you know there's a bunch of other things going on for how intense it was. Um, and yeah, Josh said probably, yeah, one of the stupidest things he's ever said in our marriage. And then our daughter heard it and repeated it. And I was like, oh no. Oh yeah. But but I think too, and that this happened, happened. Yeah. This happened. And and I said to Josh, like, I think it was, I don't know, on the drive back the next day. And I just said, yeah, you know, like we're good. We know how to repair, but we, we need to bow down and we need to repent to our kids. Mm-hmm. And, and I have, um, but we are going to together and right. we're going to recount it and we're going to explain exactly what mom and dad were wrong for. Why are you laughing? Because uh, it's just, it was just crazy. It was, it was weird. Yeah. Straight up from the enemy. There's things that are funny that just shouldn't be funny. Like even Lily is kind of the only one that really heard a lot of it. <laughs> And then we're on the way back and Janae said one thing that was like, we weren't even fighting, but she said some one thing kind of intense and Lily in the back seat goes, here we go again, <laughs> which is not funny and why we need to repent to our kids. But. It, and it, it was like the first time I think our kids actually saw us disagreeing over the stupidest thing I can well, think of. Well, we don't like, we don't actually bicker like that in front of them, but we are all trapped in this But in car. general, we don't fight yeah, like that. Like right. it was just dumb. Um, Honestly, we all, we were driving to go. Yeah, the tensions were high. We were driving to go see Lily's birth family. I think we were stressed. I think there was just a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting because then we stopped to fill gas and our son came up and was like, oh, mom, are you okay? <laughs> and I just said, Avery, this is not your problem. This is your mm-hmm. dad's problem. This mm-hmm. is not your problem. Would I have loved to welcome my son's comforting in that moment? Parents, do not do this. Turning it is called. Against, do you know yeah. what it's called? It's called triangulation Mm -hmm. and look up the definition. It is the most unhealthy thing getting into marriages and families and enmeshment. And I think it starts with these moments of you're letting your kids into things they shouldn't be. And then you're letting them step into an emotional role, even at young ages that your spouse is meant to be in. And you have to, and I, cause I know about this. I was like, "Mm -mm, Avery, no, like, Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Those kinds words, mom and dad will be fine. This is not for you to apologize for or to fix. This is for daddy and mm-hmm. mommy to figure out. Mm-hmm. And so like we need to own up and be parent and be adults in that. And don't bring your kids into it. And really it's why a lot of parents get divorced when the last kid graduates. Because that yeah. emotional support has drifted from the spouse to the child. The child leaves. There's nothing yeah. left. 
you know, yeah. and, and you learn to find your value and your emotional support from your children rather than from your spouse. Right. So if you repair rupture, like I'm just getting to like after the fight, like I'm thinking of a fight with a friend um, and you have a fight and you work through it. Like if you just work through it, are you good? Like I kind of want to talk through that, like in different work dynamics or maybe it's someone in your church or. Yeah, I think you definitely, like we've talked about already, you have to own your part, you know, by repenting, by asking for forgiveness, allowing God to bring conviction to change your behavior. Because if you don't see your own sinfulness, you're not going to be gracious towards the other person for theirs. Right. right? And so I think that's like the first step. But then a part of that is also like reaching for the other person in conversation or in trying to bridge the gap or making sure, hey, as much as it depends on me in this yep. relationship, I want to live at peace with you. Yep. They may not reciprocate that. Yeah. They may want to be mad. They may say everything's fine to your face and then gossip about it. Like, but you, and then your identity just has to be okay. Yep. Even if that happens. You can't control them. And, and so, so living at peace with people doesn't mean that you're going to have the best relationship, friendship, be besties. No. And let's, I mean, f- coming from a, a harmony oriented person who thinks right. I can fix everything and every relationship's always going to be hunky dory and okay. You cannot live in a perfect way. That's going to keep everybody happy with you. Right. Uh, and if you do, you're probably not but you being can do yourself. your part and be at peace that you've done, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was, we always say to our team, cause we've had many different scenarios where people either leave the church and really upset, or we, I don't know what we said or did or whatever, um, or just something where there was conflict and they leave. And we've just always instructed our staff to the best of your ability, don't burn your end of the bridge. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a great principle because if they ever want to rebuild it, which we've had many, many, many come back and rebuild their side and come because the Lord's timing, even in conviction is so perfect too. Um, And so just trust that if you leave your side intact, the Lord can take care of the other side if if he can get to the heart of the person. But I think too, in conflict, you do have to see patterns And so whether it's a friendship, if it's a friendship where you're always feeling guilty or you're always to blame or you're always walking away feeling worthless, like these are huge red flags that I think you can come and you can be a very humble, great servant of Jesus Christ and serving this person, but you can be in a toxic dynamic in a friendship or coworker. I mean, and and then this bridges even into... Um, well, there's two ways that yeah. that could be happening. Because number one, you could be in a toxic relationship with a person where they are always making you, leaving you feel that way. Yeah. Or your worldview and perception might just be that of a victim. Right. Where everything that happens, it's right. poor me. Yeah. You know, and you perceive everything through a filter that leaves you feeling like the victim, even though you're not actually being victimized in that yeah. situation. So you have to weigh, like, is it yeah. me or am I in actually a toxic And that's what I think, too, in resolving of an argument, it shouldn't be like, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're both sorry. Okay, why did that happen? What was playing into around it? Um, and even, like, how could we prevent this from happening again? And like, I think that speaks into your changed behavior. Like usually when we fight, we have to figure out why were you snippier than normal? Why were you on edge? And that's where our fight this past week, it was like, there is all these surrounding scenarios that are adding stress and then work's been very stressful. And so all these different things. 
But acknowledging that and not as excuses, but to say, okay, I think this was actually a factor. Mm -hmm. And so I need to be on higher guard in conflict. And so I don't have to do this. But I think we've had different relationship dynamics where there was a hurt or there was an argument, or even I would say like hurtful words were slung at one another or like at us. But I think too, and sometimes in conflict, people's true colors are shown of a side that you've not seen. Yeah. And so when that happens, to me, my I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put a pin in that. I'm gonna acknowledge that. And I might still have a relationship, but my access in my life and to me or how much time I give to that person may not be the same. And that's okay. And I can still love them really well. Yeah, I mean, I'll say something controversial. Do it. The Highly grace, unlikely. The grace of God sees our sin and forgives and forgets. We're made just as if we've never sinned. Mm -hmm. That should be our approach to people. But there's times where we should put a pin in it and say, oh, is this a pattern? Like yes. I'm willing to forgive and let go and not keep a list of right and wrongs but I'm also going to be responsible to recognize if there's a pattern. Yeah, here. but I'm not going to be unwise in what I'm placing myself in because right. I see a pattern. Yeah. Because people get caught in that too. Like, well, I have to be gracious and I have to forgive 70 times seven and I just got to be walked on. I got to be trampled on. I got to stay in this toxic relationship. And that's not what we're saying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And honestly, I think, and I love adulthood. I feel for kids in high school. Like, mm -hmm. and I've even told my son, he's only in first grade. And it's like, these kids pick on me and these people aren't nice. And I just said, Avery, school can be tough. It's a blessing, but it can be tough. But man, adulthood's awesome because you get to choose your friends. Yeah. And there's a whole world of friends. And you're choosing your friends. If you have drama, drama, drama everywhere in your family, in your friend group, in your workplace, you got to pause and you got to say, could it be me? Because I was explaining this to someone. I just said, we don't have drama in our life, really. Like, willingly. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like, in friend groups, my best friend and I, we've disagreed on very serious theological stuff even, but we can look at each other and say, I love you. I know we'll be in heaven. I don't agree on this, this, and this in scripture. Mm -hmm. You know? But, and have arguments or disagreements, but we've never yelled at each other. Like, so you can choose a life of low drama. You can choose a life of, not a lot of conflict and conflict can be a rarity, but you got to be wise in your friendships and right. wise in your relationships. And if there's a huge gossip circle at your, at your workplace and there's always drama and back and forth, get out of it. Yeah. The circle, go eat lunch somewhere else. Well, and I think we don't talk enough about Paul and Barnabas. I was just reading the about fact that, that story they're like, before this. They get in a disagreement yeah. and they're like, we don't agree on this, but we're both going to go be missionaries for the gospel. And you're going to serve Jesus over here. And I'm going to serve Jesus over here. And we're going to both, and the gospel went forward, you know, and later there was like more reconciliation. But for that time, it was like, hey, I'm still for you. I just don't necessarily want to do this with you. Yes. <laughs> you know, like we need some distance and yep. that was okay. And I think we also have to give permission in our relationships to understand that friendships can be seasonal. Yep. You know, that there's people that you maybe were close to that you might move apart from. Yeah. You know, or people that you're I just did from this with you, a friend. Yeah. Like felt conviction. We and used sometimes to be super you do. close. Yeah. She was in our wedding even, and I know she wouldn't care me talking about this, but and I felt conviction to send her a letter. Who sends letters anymore? Well, you know, delayed delayed obedience really was disobedience and I didn't do it. Then I had coffee with someone and they brought up her name and it like triggered in my mind, you never did that, Janae. Mm. 
And it was just to write a letter of like, hey, I know we've grown apart. I don't know why it could just be life scenario, but if I ever, cause I am known to hurt people without even realizing I've hurt them. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm so sorry. I think we're all capable of that. Right, and so that was what I was gonna say. And I didn't have time to send a letter. So I sent a Marco Polo, which is way more vulnerable, I yeah. think, cause you have to like show your face. But I was like, I need to do this right now. I think I was driving home from that coffee date. And so I just, and I stumbled over it. And I think too, sometimes you can just say, I feel weird saying this mm-hmm. and this, I might be off and maybe it's fine. But if I've, and I just said, if I did anything to result in us growing apart as friends, or if I ever hurt you, like, I just want to say, I'm sorry. And would love to come into repentance for that. And like, and she texts me, I don't know how much later. And I was like, we're fine. I'd love to get coffee. Like we've just kind of grown apart. And it's like, yeah. Okay. I've had the exact same conversation. I said, hey, is everything okay? You know, did I, you know, and my friend said, hey, I love you the same I always have. We have kids. We're both in jobs. We don't live in the same part of the country. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just this season of life. If there's distance, it doesn't always have to mean that it's bad. No, And some people you can love better with a little distance. Mm -hmm. Um, I love people better by not being on social media. Some people make me mad by the things they post. And so if I don't see it, I'd, I can see you in church and be like, oh, I love you rather than you posted this stupid thing. And I would like to inform you of your ignorance, but yeah. no. So there we go. I don't know if that was <laughs> I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I think what we wanted you to take away today is, hey, after the conflict, be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to say, God, if there's any wayward way in me, show me, reveal and it to every me. every time, I don't think you're going to be like, Busting at the seams, can't wait to go repent and lower no, yourself. Never. Yeah. It will never feel like that. It will always be feel a little bit like I am resisting something to do the right thing. So. Yeah. And I think also, you know, being um willing to learn from what you walked through and saying, I didn't handle that perfectly. I'm gonna do better next time. Right. I forgive myself. Yep. Even and for ask my the Lord for forgiveness and to help change your heart. Right. Anyway. And then do it better next time. Right. We're all making imperfect progress and one day we'll be in heaven. Not all, but some of us. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I say that. And I don't want to be note, I don't want to be a liar. Sorry. No, be reconciled to God. And you will. And and we'll all be reconciled to one another. That's right. Sorry. This is Highly Unlikely with Josh and Janae. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about fighting and conflict and letting us reveal, you know, the latest in our lives too. So if you appreciate this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and we'll see you next time.